Hello, welcome to Riot Act, the alternative music podcast. Hope you're well. Hope you're having a nice week. I'm having a nice week. My name's Stephen Hill. I'm having a nice week. His name's Renfrey Deadman. Let's see if he's having a nice week. Renfrey, are you having a nice week? Uh, it's, it's been a bit trying, um, yeah. but uh, it's fine. It's nothing that I need to discuss on here, I don't think. Don't you. need to discuss, but all you need to know is, whilst I've been having a perfectly normal week, Renfrey hasn't been having the best week. Ergo, if you're going, hey, you guys, you said you were going to bloody put some reviews up, and I would expect reviews on big releases that are coming out this week. We've um, and, and just there are had a couple. <laughs> and there, there are, are there are a few. There are a few. Um, so this week, uh, we haven't had a chance to do individual reviews on the likes of Cult of Luna, Zelenada, or Eddie Vedder, or Woven Hand, which mm-hmm. we're also going to be talking about. But we are going to be talking about those records here on the show this week because Renfrey's not really been in town no. to... Uh, to be like doing individual stuff so you know we we thought we'd just go back to the old school format of the podcast for a week but normal service will be resuming the week after with whatever's out next week there's a bit of stuff out next week isn't there yeah 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 it's like a kind of retro riot act podcast that you're getting this week (laughs) i guess so retro to a time about three months ago i literally like four months ago yeah Mm. uh but yeah hooray you're on the you're on a glass of water there renfrey by the way it's actually uh elderflower I love oh, the bit okay, of elderflower cordial. I'm well yeah, into it. Yeah, I like elderflower. elderflower. Mm, really I did nice. for a while. Sparkling elderflower yeah, cordial. Yeah, sparkling elderflower is very, very nice. This one's mm. a still, but you know. Yeah. We're not sponsored by elderflower. <laughs> Are we not? That's literally the only reason I brought it up. Go over to elderflower.com, put in the code RIOTACT, all one word in small capitals, and they'll deliver you just a load of fizzy fucking... They won't. They won't do that. I'll tell you where you should go, though. Patreon.com forward slash Right Act Podcast, which is where we put up all of our exclusive content for you guys and all the things that you like. That was so smooth. talking about records. That was so smooth. Really well done. Um, We've got a Right Ears review that we put up last week. So if you sign up for any amount, you get to suggest a record, and me and Renfrey will go through the oodles and boodles. We would deep dive into the vaults of your suggestions and pluck one out into the um into the air into the air yeah why not to make pluck it, seem it from quite the air i would say euphoric from the air well i've said mm. d- deep dive you don't deep dive and then pluck from the air oh well that's probably fine you go down and up i guess yeah. i can't be bothered to follow Swoop, your metaphors swooping and soaring through the many suggestions and clutching one to our teat we got no? suggested one. Yeah, 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 that's fine. Uh, that's fine. We got we got suggested one this morning, which is probably an off mic conversation, but it's really good, and I think we should uh, do it very soon. Look, we're not doing Mr. Blobby again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we did one on Heck Instructions, the only album by the band formerly known as Baby Godzilla, which everyone seems to have been pretty chuffed about because yeah. that is a fucking brilliant record, and there's no denying that at all. What a great record! What a great band. What a shame they split up. Yeah. Never again will we see the like. It was really nice to see your stories. Um, I always like a good heck slash Baby Godzilla story. Um, and a lot of you shared uh, a lot of those over social media and stuff. So thank you very much for those. That was very fun to reminisce over. Yep. And if you would like to sign up for our £5 tier, which gives you a couple of classic albums a month, then feel free to do that as well. Uh, as I said, there's been some stuff going on this week, which has meant that we haven't been in the same 
areas we usually would be which has meant that we have had to delay the second part of our two-part every time i die special or new junk aesthetic by a week but that is coming very very soon that should be out this week and then it will be swiftly followed by muse's origin of symmetry even though i'm desperately behind the scenes begging renfrey to change that to, <laughs> to absolution I'm not gonna. Um, but he's not gonna um but he's gonna have to listen to the streets after that so you know it's all the old the push and pull the tug of war I think the between us fairly even <laughs> yes yeah. yeah um so yeah that's going to be coming out as well thank you very much if you are a patron if you're not then go over to patreon.com for slash right at podcast and you should be able boxcar racer we're going to be putting up as our next right here yeah. for you at the weekend yeah. yeah which we haven't actually recorded yet but nope. that should be going up uh, at some point during the weekend right anyway um renfrey's been busy this week i've been quite busy as well i have done a few things i went to the hardcore show at the at the the electric ballroom in london on monday just gone who played the hardcore show the hard, who played the hardcore show? The hardcore bands played the hardcore <laughs> show, Renfrey. I saw Knocked Loose Terror and Static Dress. Oh, that is a hardcore bill, isn't it? In it, that is yeah. Hardcore. That is hardcore. That is three hours of, of, of standing in a room while men in different sized t-shirts walk on and went, London! Dun, 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 dun. London! Fuck this place up! God for fucking run. Dun, dun. London! We love you! And then walking off and more men in different t-shirts coming, London! Gung, 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 gung. We fucking fuck this place! Fuck it up, London! London! Dun, 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 dun. We fucking love you, London! And then they walked off mm-hmm. and some more people came and went, London! Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. R- We're fucking... Fuck yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the... So there's my review of the show. No, honestly. Um, How did Metal Hammer feel about that coffee? Probably a little bit p- pissed off, I think. I would imagine. They liked it more than some of the stuff I wrote in my Vane review that is going to be in <laughs> oh. next month. Oh. Uh, which uh, <laughs> what a juicy <laughs> act. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I say that actually. Merlin said it's my favourite review you've ever written, but it's very Larry, very very. I Larry. see. We'll I be see. reviewing okay. the Vane the Vane FM album uh, closer to the time it comes out. But as a little spoiler, if you don't like it, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> and I make that perfectly clear how much I hate you oh, wow. in, in my review. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah, mm. definitely an album that I can see everybody in the world getting on board with. <laughs> yeah. I basically, I haven't said, oh, I like this album. No, I've said, if you don't like this album, I hate you. That's how I, I don't actually say anything about how good the album is. I say how bad the people who don't like it are. I see. Yeah. Anyway, look, let's talk about Knock Loose. And so Static Dress, right? Now, Static Dress are a band. I looked at the bill and I thought, Am I getting Static Dress mixed up with someone else? Because they feel like they sort of stand out a little bit on this bill of kind of meaty hardcore bands. Maybe Drastic Whereas, Stress? Maybe. I don't know if that's a, a band. I mean, that does no, sound like not. some sort of I just did LBU <laughs> beatdown. You did, yeah. Dratic Stress. Drastic yeah. Stress. <laughs> but it's not. But they're not called... Oh, Stastic right, yeah, dress, on, are they? I was quite much. happy with that. No, it's good. It was good. You've had to you've had to manipulate the rules of the game a little bit for your own ends there, Renfrey, but not bad. Thanks. Uh, static Dress, who I thought were a kind of odd pick for the bill because I think they played the download pilot and I didn't see very much of them, but I sort of walked past them and I was a bit like, oh, I'm probably not that interested in this. I think... I think, but now my brain, having seen them, I'm like, maybe my brain was playing tricks on me because... Maybe you were I, watching Drastic Stress. 
Maybe I was watching Drastic Stress, although I think if it was Drastic Stress, they would be, like I say, some sort of beatdown LBU band, <laughs> probably all wearing like mad ball snapbacks and stuff. Absolutely. Uh, but Static Dress, basically, it's um, Danger Days era Gerard Way on vocals. Uh, Vessel, I thought, you meant, I thought you meant actually. Then I was a bit confused. Uh, it yeah. might have been right. Vessel from Sleep Token on guitar, <laughs> and two men, just men, just normal men on bass and drums. It it sounds just, colourful up until the last part. Yeah, yeah. I mean the other two, they're they're letting the side down a little bit. They just mm. sort of were any man who like. It's very like sort of a, win- a pair of people who drive around in the van cleaning windows. <laughs> they could have been, which is no shade on them. That's what a lot of people in bands look like. But but the other two, I was like, oh, you're very colourful, flamboyant. Mm. Yeah. Um, but they sounded a bit like kind of, you know, when we're talking about Frail Body and Gift from God and that kind of revival on, I guess, Callous Dowboys and Sea Space Cowboy and that kind of thing. Yeah, they sort of reminded me of that, that re- the the revival of the kind of um, uh, a mathy emo hardcore of the early two thousands. Okay, which well, I that's didn't all right. expect. Yeah, that is all right. Yeah, I mean, somebody said to me while I was there, someone who we both know, who shall remain nameless, because I thought it was a little bit of it. They said, "Hey, you know, like they sound like the Bled or something like that," and I was like, "They do sound like the Bled. You're right." And they said, "You know, no one's really doing that now, so." You know, like it's good to hear it, and I was like, "Well, quite a lot of people are actually doing it right now." Like, well, you know, no one's doing that right now, and they're sort of the best at doing it. I don't think they're the best at doing it, but you know, I Who like. Do you think are the best thing. at doing it at, of the current crop? Out of interest, I'm not sure if we've ever digged down into that. Ooh, I, I think Sea Space Cowboy were the best until that last album came yeah. out. Yeah, um, I think I probably uh, agree with that. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I mean, I think that Gift from God album is a bit. That, that's much more kind of Dillingery than I don't know Thursday or Under Oath or whatever. But mm. for, I mean, Frail Body. I really like that Frail Body record mm. that came out a couple of years back. That's excellent. Mm. Do Vane um, count in this? Not anymore. Mm. <laughs> For another time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. Not yeah. anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, but Static Dress were, 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 were pretty good, I thought. I thought they were pretty good. And they play a type of music which I have a lot of um nostalgic adoration for. So yeah. I was I was more than happy to, to watch them. They're quite a nice little surprise. Sweet. Um Terror, speaking of surprises, Terror came on. And they played a bunch of hardcore songs. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. They did that. I mean, they really did do that. I think it's a sort of some sort of running joke by Jonathan Seltzer at Metal Hammer to make me watch Terror more times than anyone has ever done anything ever. I have reviewed Terror for Metal Hammer. I'm not even. I'm. I'm not. I'm going to try and work it out now. Off the top of my head, this is the eighth time I've reviewed Terror <laughs> in the last four years. That's amazing. <laughs> Literally every time they come within a sort of 200 mile radius of me, I have to write 100 <laughs> words about what happened. And it's always the same thing. <laughs> it's always That's like a jail sentence. I, I even had to, rev- I had to stay up till one in the morning to review their live stream. I didn't have to, I could have said no. But I'm not, I'm not going to, 
I'm going to fess up to you guys. I fucking need the money, right? So <laughs> I have to say yes to everything. I have to say yes. I'd be really everything. curious to know how similar those eight reviews are to one another because how much is there to say about There's not terror? a lot to say. There's no. not a lot to say. And the thing is, it's like... It, it it makes it harder when you have written so much about them, and I mean, I suppose I've not, I have mentioned them on this show before. And things you like, have. Yeah. I I like terror. Do you know right. what I mean? I actually quite. I like, I say I like them. I like that like, when I first discovered them <laughs> in the year two thousand. <laughs> I, <laughs> I liked them. I was like, I like this band. I thought it was good, you know, but twenty odd years down the line. I do sort of find myself going like I've seen this so many times and they do not change and they did a, and they did a song and they were like oh my God, I can't remember what it's called now it's really annoying me I can't remember what it's called but they're like this is the weird one and it was just a slightly like more half time it had a, a bit of melody in it and I was like if this is your idea of the weird one if your idea of the weird song in your back catalogue is you know actually writing a song <laughs> rather than writing a load of riffs and going we're gonna do, 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 do over the top of it it's like actually trying to write a melody if that's your well, idea of being weird i mean i'm not being funny you're hardly captain beef art <laughs> so here's a counter argument to that and that is, and this is um very much a um uh uh oh you know i don't i don't really think this but you're playing uh, devil's advocate devil's advocate you? thank you that's what mm. i was searching for um sick of it all don't sick of it all haven't sick of all all done exactly the same thing and yet you're willing to give them a pass mr hill is that not true they write much better songs and actually Uh, go and listen to yours go and listen to yours truly and i would suggest that actually sick of it all um had one big go at doing something which is in hardcore terms fairly different and the thing that's the thing about terror is every terror song is pretty much like fast place crunchy beat downy hardcore whereas sick of it all yep. do super fast punk songs like really kind of warp speed bad brainsy minor threat fast punk songs they do the new york hardcore mm-hmm. you know rumbly crunchy beat down hardcore thing and they also do the oi oi gang vocal kind of you know sham 69 um uk sub style oi punk thing as well so at least they have it's they're not they're not coloring in hugely broad strokes but at least they have three different types of song yep. whereas terror have one type one. of song yeah uh and they're not they're not as good at that one type of song as sick of it all are as good at all those other three types of songs they've done and sick of it all have one album with souvenir on which is um yours truly which has got souvenir on which is kind of them doing a bit of a bruce springsteen so there you go what a very thorough answer <laughs> i wasn't yeah. expecting it to be that thorough but yes i mean i yeah. i agree with all of that so yeah yeah so don't don't come at me with that shit i mean you know, just, just, haters. it was a devil's advocate it was a devil's <laughs> I know advocate was, i know i know but that's why you know that's why sick of it all the you know the best sort of true hardcore band ever and that's why terror are merely a good band i mean it's the thing right yeah. so i saw alan day who we've spoken about a few times he put sonosphere and works at kilimanjaro he's a like friend of ours and uh he walked past me as i was queuing up to get into the venue and i was like alan and he went oh who's playing it i just assumed he was coming into the show and he was like oh who's playing here tonight and i went knock loose and he went oh i was like well where are you going and he was like i'm going to see echo and the bunny men up the road and i was like <laughs> fucking don't tell me that 
Uh. Fuck it. And I was like, I thought to myself, like, people were going to be, oh, you're like a hardcore person, aren't you? And I would be like, no matter what happens, I'm a fucking lifer. And then the thought of being able to go and watch Echo and the Bunnymen rather than watching Terror. I was like, am I a life? Am I a lifer? Because I tell you what, I'd have fucking, if you, I would have done, I would have done anything to have been able to have gone and seen Echo and the Bunnymen over this particular show, to be honest. Punk Stephen Hill reveals his true colours. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, I was, uh, 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 about a hundred thousand times more ex- interested and excited by the idea of seeing Echo and the Bunnymen than I would have been for watching any of the bands that I saw at Knock Loose. Uh, and then we should come to Knock Loose because yeah. they're a funny one for me, Knock Loose, because again, I don't really. They've got there's a lot of hype behind Knock Loose, yeah. and and man, it was fucking wild that show. People were kicking the shit out of each other. It was really quite. A seething, throbbing, sweating mess of throwing. Fit. It looked like you know when they have a fight in a cartoon, and it's just a yeah. cloud, and there's just hands. Get, it looked like that. Wow. Um, okay. And they came on, and their guitar tone is. I mean, their guitar tone is very impressive. It's fucking heavy. And I thought that last album that they did. What's it? A different shades of blue, or yeah, that, that was the called? full length, wasn't it? They've they've done an yeah, EP since cool. then. And they did that EP, and I remember, you know, the EP, and I thought the album was good. Like, we didn't review the album. No. Uh, even though I thought it was good, but we didn't actually review the album. I, You've listened to it, presumably. Yeah, I, I, I think it's fine, but I don't fully understand where the hype's coming from. I think that guitar mm. tone is an interesting thing to say, because it does almost feel like people are going, oh, this is a really good guitar tone, rather than this is a really good song sometimes. Well, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And then when the EP came out last year, and again, I wasn't, I, I, I didn't even listen to it prior to it coming out. And I didn't listen to it when it came out, but I did see loads of people going, oh my God, it's the most amazing thing I've ever heard in my entire life. It's so they've changed the game and all this kind of thing. And I put it on and I thought, oh, I quite like this. It's quite good. Yeah. But to say, like, I mean, the Acacia Strain, they're not a band that I care too much about, to be honest, but... They put an EP out the year before, and I remember thinking, this is really different for the Acacia Strain, and, and I expected something like that from that Knock Loose EP. Didn't really get it. It was just more kind of Knock Loose. And I think they're quite good. I mean, I'd seen them at Slam Dunk before, and I didn't even think they were that good live. Mm. I think they were much better, much better live um, on Monday than I than they were at Slam Dunk, which probably isn't hard, you know, they're hard hard sound to get right in that big tent and you know this is much more suited to them and it's a few years down the line so they're probably evolving and getting better as a live band i thought they were good right i thought they were very good i think the growly vocals and the sort of high pitch vocals again like london fold this place up london fuck this place up do you want to see your fucking move it's like it's an interesting it sounds like cookie monster and big bird sort of getting bummed at the same time is what knock loose sound like to oh dear <laughs> what knock loose sound like to me but like his again his guttural vocals are very impressive and i think the kind of counterbalance between that and that really like la, 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 that sort of screechy high-pitched vocal it makes them stand out a bit more mm-hmm. but i was watching them and i was like i've seen a lot of bands that are like this and people don't 
go mad for them and but they've ended up really crossing over mm. and again i've got i think that's i'm i'm glad they have because it's good that hardcore's getting more of a presence in the scene and stuff in general and they yeah. are a proper heart they're a proper hardcore band as well like there's nothing else you said it was the ballroom right yeah electric ballroom yeah that's sold out like as well. like 1400 capacity you know that's mm. i mean you know but i do kind of it's one of those things where i sort of scratch my head and go i wonder why i wonder why them you know we did it with black midi yeah. when they got nominated for things yeah. sort of go I, i'm trying to work out why them yeah and i've got i've got nothing that's sort of how i feel about it like i'm not actually that down on not loose because i do think no, they're good um i'm just a little bemused as and they certainly i mean i remember we didn't really review it because it was more down to the fact that we'd reviewed a lot of stuff like that um in the previous couple of weeks and i mean i don't recall it being like any better than any of that other stuff as well either i mean it would if we thought it had been better than we would have included it for sure you know um so yeah no i find it a bit amusing but then i find it amusing why a lot of bands are big steve so you know <laughs> speaking of which the brits happened this week <laughs> what a segue so yeah not loose were were, were were pretty cool i thought i mean i think it would have been it was just like a bigger version of a band playing the underworld mm. sounds cool to me yeah, it was good. So the Brits happened this week. Now, I normally go to the Brits, and you normally listen to me hungover after <laughs> the first couple of years that we did the podcast, but I didn't go this year. I just watched it on the TV, and I have to say, it's a much better television programme than it is being there, although that is slightly negated by the free alcohol that you get when, or that I get. Anyway, because I'm better. <laughs> so I'm really important. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, good, yeah. Um, yeah, um, that, I used, that I have got when I've been there before. So, you know, like, that's always a... F- it's a fun night out, but it's not really a live show, I think I've said before. So it's probably actually better to watch it on telly. No, it's a, it's a TV um, show. And, and, and It's a TV yeah, show. And anyone who's been to any sort of TV audience recordings of anything will know that, like, the audience who are there do not take precedence over, you know making definitely it a not. tv show so yeah no definitely not but um there were a few interesting little things that i know probably i haven't even spoke to you about this but probably you wouldn't really want us to cover the brits particularly because you don't like award shows but uh, i don't think i mean we probably wouldn't have this sex segment every year unless you went because we don't often get the opportunity to go to an award ceremony like the brits so it seems silly mm. not to cover it but yeah we probably wouldn't <laughs> Yeah, uh, but I didn't go this year, but I did think it was worth mentioning as well. Because there's quite a lot of things that we have covered in the last year that were featured in the show. So, for example, I mean, the big talking point, particularly for people who like rock music, was the opening performance of Ed Sheeran and Bring Me the Horizon together. Um, I've seen a few people going, oh my God, Ollie from Bring Me the Horizon, the first person ever to do a, a death, metal to do a heavy metal scream on the brits ever which um i would like to point them in the direction of klf and extreme noise terror which is a far more extreme performance than the ed sheeran and bring me the horizon performance from the other night far 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 more and far more exciting and i would probably say just just better but Ed Sheeran and Bring Me The Horizon together. What an odd thing, Renfrey. What an odd thing. If you'd have told me, even 10 years ago, Bring Me The Horizon, opening the Brits with Ed Sheeran, I would have thought you were 
absolutely mad. Life, eh? What a crazy old thing. <laughs> I'm really curious to know what this was like. I've obviously seen um, all the headlines, but I've actually avoided watching any footage. I'm just assuming there's footage um, because I kind of wanted to come to it fresh and ask you like what was it like i can't imagine i don't know what a collaboration between ed sheeran and bring me the horizon would sound like so i'm curious to hear it but at the same time aware that i'd probably be disappointed <laughs> yeah well here's a thing that i think like i think this is a good thing on paper obviously mm. right because bring me the horizon at this point have maneuvered themselves into the position of being certainly in this country i would say I guess like our link, our like kind of this generation's Lincoln Park, maybe this generation's yeah. Limp Biscuit. When you think back to you know Christina Aguilera and Fred Durst at the MTV Music Awards, mm. right? That was a that was and whether you like it or not, that was a massive thing for rock music. I think the difference is is you've got in Fred Durst and Christina Aguilera, you've got a very very recognizable voice face and persona of fred durst who is like him or hate him he's got some kind of magnetic quality with him mm -hmm. mixed with one of the best pop stars of that era full stop and still to this day i would say when you look back at that era of christine aguilera what a fucking yeah. ridiculously brilliant pop star she was amazing voice she looked fantastic yeah. she had some amazing songs and i think you look at those two and you go that's a hate to sort of say iconic in the same way as the kids will say like oh you know kylie jenner and some but the person she stood next to what an iconic pairing but i don't but i think i feel like fred durst and christine aguilera had that genuine sort of what the fuck thing looking at them because you're like well he's that and he's clearly that and she's and what yeah. and it was very it was it genuinely felt like two worlds colliding it felt genuinely exciting bring me the horizon are basically not musically and not creatively but it's ollie sykes in it no one know like the you know the, the basis from bring me the horizon the drummer like no one would know lee from bring me the horizon outside of people who are genuine sort of hardcore fans of the band right so the rest of bring me the horizon jordan maybe i think a few people might pick up on jordan a bit but in the main it's ollie now ollie dressed up like sort of like dracula a bit in a red suit at the thing the other day but ollie sykes does not have the same charismatic uh personality that Fred Durst has. He does not have that. And if he doesn't have that, <laughs> comparisons with Ed Sheeran and Christine Aguilera are yeah. are hilarious. I like, think I hilarious. Think... Like comparing The Rock with with Doink the Clown, not even Doink, with fucking Max Moon or something. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like this is not the same thing. Ed Sheeran yeah. is has got no charisma at all. Like bless him, I got no no real genuine hatred or beef for ed sheeran but he is not an interesting charismatic person at no, all not in the slightest i think what felt like a shame to me is is the person they chose to collaborate or, with almost and you know i don't know the ins and outs of that i don't know the reason but i think there are so many um pop stars that pop stars you know, uh, there are so many people that... I, I mean, uh, Bring Me the Horizon and a Taylor Swift collaboration 
instantly is more interesting to me. I'm not necessarily saying that Taylor Swift would be interested. Well, that, um, I think this is the problem, isn't it? Is I don't <clears throat> yeah. imagine Taylor Swift would have any interest in collaborating with Bring Me the Horizon no, whatsoever. But it it automatically on paper sounds more interesting than an Ed Sheeran collaboration, right? Like, and again, you know, yeah. I I've got no skin the race when it comes to Ed Sheeran I find him really bland and really boring but I don't hate him at all and I don't begrudge his success and I understand that why he's massive um but you know I, I it's just a very very boring it just struck me as a very boring person to collaborate with really um and bring me the horizon I don't think are boring but like you say Ollie Sykes does lack that charisma so it's a far less interesting collaboration duo, yeah like so in, in comparison less, yeah. to the one i put it to but i think on the surface when you go well ed sheeran can sell out eight nine nights at wembley stadium yeah. right he is fucking massive and the performance that he did with bring me the horizon which was basically recreating backstreet's back video uh it was a load of people dressed in sort of halloweeny costumes and stuff and dancing oh, okay around. uh and ollie was definitely singing live he was definitely singing live <laughs> i mean <laughs> Because he did not sound very good at all, and he did do a he did do a like at the end of the set, which was fine to see. So he did a little bit of that. Um, well, it's not a great song. I think it's got a boring song. I think, but I think the idea of you know one of the biggest pop stars, whether we think he's interested or not, one of the biggest pop stars in the world, collaborating with a band essentially who've come from. You know, Sheffield metalcore, deathcore yeah. scene, whatever, is incredible and is really good for guitar music and rock music. Like, it's a good thing. I think it's a shame that the, the actual result was fairly middling. Yeah. Um, I still think I'd rather have Ed Sheeran and Bring Me the Horizon than Adele and Greta Van Fleet. <laughs> like all these yes. people moan moaning yeah. about, like, oh God, I'll oh, Bring Me the Horizon. No, they're not good at representation of rock. I think they're a better representation of rock than one of these fucking retro corpse reanimating cunts yeah. that classic rock would fawn over. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's undoubtedly like a good thing. It's a good idea. The actual execution, I didn't think was very That's good. That's the all. thing, though, isn't it? I mean, I suspected that the idea, the idea on paper, absolutely grand, but um, I suspected the execution wouldn't be particularly interesting, even down to the stage of, oh, they've got Ed Sheeran to collaborate on it. Well, mm, that's a bit of a shame. Um, I mean, Ed yeah. Sheeran did two songs because he, he came. I mean, I tell you what, is it was much better than when he came back later on and he did this fucking Barbara Streisand song, which oh. was fucking i mean not actually barbara streisand but i was oh. like my god it sounds like fucking tony christie or something do you know what i mean it sounds like fucking daniel o'donnell like, it's the sort of shit my nan would go oh i like that he's a nice boy do you know what i mean mm. it's like a fucking cliff richard song i think my thing with ed sheeran is his music literally goes in one ear and out the other like i i, I could be played an ed sheeran song and the moment it stops i would have instantly forgotten it like it just mm. doesn't doesn't affect me in any way whatsoever positive negative i just nothing nothing happens to me at all which i think is quite worrying really for you know <laughs> music and art and stuff yeah, like that but yeah. yeah uh we should talk about a couple of the good things wolf alice won best rock and alternative act beating coldplay sam fender uh glass animals and somebody else who also wasn't really i mean quite a quite a loose and broad um 
I mean, they get away with it because they use it. It'd be very, very, <laughs> it'd be very hypocritical of us to sit here or for me to sit here and go, well, they're not really rock bands, are they? They're not really. What, what have they got to do with like? Because they're using the word alternative, which yeah. <laughs> we've been using for three years. Whilst you so know, that we reviewing, can do whatever we want. The week, yeah, basically. <laughs> so you know, and the the but you know, an actual kind of guitar band did win that wolf alice so and i love that wolf alice record as people know so yeah i'm delighted by that i think that's great i'm delighted i don't care but you know that's Uh, i think like when they win you go good that's i'm glad that they won exactly and it meant a lot to them um sam fender who we haven't spoken about played and i you know i've never listened to sam fender before and i was a bit like oh is he going to be another one of these you know sort of george ezra types and actually i thought mm. he was he's the song he played i thought was quite good sounds oh. like a kind of geordie bruce springsteen so i didn't mind sam fender i thought he was quite good okay. little sims won best newcomer um which is fucking ridiculous i mean not ridiculous that she won because she was obviously the best person in that category but four albums in to win best newcomer yeah and after all the stuff she's put out it just goes to show how i mean that is proof if anyone needed how out of touch the brits is i would say Mm, yeah that seems a little bit ridiculous really but then that happens all the time you know it does um what else happened uh little sims also played i thought the best performance of the night she was fucking brilliant absolutely fucking brilliant what's that she did that opening song um from uh, sometimes I might be introvert and then she did uh, I've slipped it slipped my mind what the actual name of but she basically it was it was a sort of medley of a couple of bits from the album kind of linked together and it started really sort of stylized she was in a suit and she started on one kind of mid podium in the middle of the arena with a lot of people in sort of just all in kind of uniform red I've said this before about the Brits I don't like it when there's just a million people on stage and mm. you can't, you're like, well, cause I went a few years ago and pink played. Mm. And again, I was like, well, there's a, which one's pink? Like if you're in the, in the audience, you're like, well, where's pink. Right. So, but little Sims didn't really do that. It was quite a kind of, everything felt really stylized. And then Emma, what's her face? The actress who does the um, narration on the album. She came on and did a bit. She's princess Diana in the crown. That actress, Emma, can't remember her name anyway she came on she did a little bit of narration and then it went to like a full-blown soul uh stage like an old school kind of you know old school sort of soul 70s looking stage set up and she had a full band playing with her and it was just nothing showy particularly like it looked cool like it was very colorful but it was not you know it wasn't just dance routines and people all over the place and stuff it was a full band a real band they were clearly playing live the backing vocals were were live everything was live and it was just really really great and she looked great she sounded fucking amazing um i mean particularly like ksi came on straight after and sounded like he had long covid (laughs) like (laughs) like going like (laughs) like could have tried to just walk up some stairs and rap at the same time and he sounded like he's gonna have a heart attack i was like jesus christ but little sims did she sounded fucking brilliant it was it was it was great it was really really good um it was really cool dave won best grime and rap artist Mm -hmm. well deserved closed the entire show um again like i don't think it's i don't think it was quite as impressive as the performance he did in 2020 which was 
I think has gone down in legend as a sort of you know absolutely amazing breathtaking thing just on a piano you know a, pi- a pianist and him uh, and nothing else and it was spellbinding even mm. when you were there and it's not really set up for you being there um, but here it was a sort of stage set with um, he played guitar at the start he played in the fire and mm. he, he played the opening guitar lick at the start oh, on nice. an acoustic guitar moved across to the piano a lot of you know he, he didn't come in till, he didn't come in actually with vocals until sort of like the the second or the third or or fourth verse of the song i don't think and then he did a solo at the end played the solo live um you know he's obviously not eddie van halen but when mm. people are like eh, they're not proper musicians and stuff well he played two guitars and a piano mm. Mm. um and he was shooting fire out of the guitar like fucking rammstein oh fuck wow yeah and this oh wow that's oh cool that's unexpected yeah. It was unexpected. I was like, look at look at Dave, and he was, you know, he was. He's, he's not an amazing guitarist, but I don't really think that's the point. I don't think it's the point that he needs to be the best guitarist in the world. He didn't start as a guitarist, you know. Yeah. Chino Moreno's not a great guitarist, but he mm. still plays guitar in Deftones, and you wouldn't say Chino Moreno's not a proper, yeah. whatever. Uh, um, I thought Dave was really, really good. Obviously, hugely deserving of his award. I thought his speech was really good. I thought Little Sim's speech was fucking excellent. She brought she brought her mum up on stage with her. Oh, and sweet. it was it was like this is the kind of wholesome content that uh this ward show should be about but obviously i mean i don't want to kind of shit on adele won everything right right adele won everything and she played and again it was like cockney bet midler it was like fucking chaz and dave <laughs> sort of like a chaz and dave ballad done by barbara streisand <laughs> boring and I, I actually found her her acceptance speeches um, quite alienating. Like I didn't like her performance. Mm. I didn't, and I didn't really like her as a person. Oh. I think she she looks she's lost weight. She looks good. She looks great. Don't have to lose weight to look good, Steve. But she has. Okay, and she does. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> All right. So she looked good. But. Um, she just seems so fucking blasé about winning those awards, which I guess you might be after a little while. But she was like, oh, I don't expect to win this. Oh, well, cheers for that. Cheers. And you think like you, you watch the other people, like you see Little Sims and um, I've forgotten the person who won the dance act, but she was really like literally crying on stage and stuff. You know, maybe a bit much, but using that speech to say something which is interesting and heartfelt. And do you know what I mean? Whereas Adele went, oh, I didn't expect this. And, and she said, um, uh, I'm most. I'm really proud that I've won this because my record is really personal, and people don't make personal records anymore. In a category with Sam Fender, Dave, and Little Sims also nominated in the same category for best album, and she said yeah. that in her best album speech. And it's like, are you just listening to fucking Gina G or something? Like, what? I mean, what are you <laughs> listening to? That you like? It's never been. Maybe she is. It's never been a time where super personal albums have been sent. Maybe this is. This might be the the sort of the the, the glory years of super personal records get, getting fucking massive critical acclaim. 
feels like a very naive thing to say and i would probably take from that that adele you know and i'm not saying that she has to be but she might not be someone who is really looking at the music scene around her and seeing what everyone you know what other people are doing i think there are advantages to that and i think there are disadvantages to that but if you don't know maybe don't comment the disadvantages you look like a fucking idiot yeah that's one of the disadvantages <laughs> I, I mean, mean i know some people had a go that sorry go on well i was just gonna say did, did you think that i mean was it unexpected that adele won everything no or, no it was you know. painfully painfully obvious that she yeah. was gonna win and obviously she won artists of the year it's the first time that there's been a it's a kind of genderless award oh, yeah. and <clears throat> which you know it's it's fine like i think artist of the year is a perfectly fine thing but again i've seen a few people like she said oh you know i i know why this needed to change but i'm really proud to be a woman and i really loved being the best woman of the year and i've seen a lot of people on twitter unsurprisingly going <laughs> that that is a transphobic statement and it means that she underlying she hates trans people and i agree i think she's obviously a massive transphobic i also think it's racist that statement as well because actually what she's saying is as a woman which is only she's a white woman isn't she so when she says she loves being a woman she means she loves being a white woman so she's obviously saying that i'm better than black people so i think she's actually that's not only transphobic it's also racist and also by saying she's a woman she's actually saying i love being a woman more than i love being a fox <laughs> so it's actually a pro fox hunting statement as well, Renfrey. Yeah. So that actually, it was a transphobic, racist, Tory pro fox hunting <laughs> speech that she gave at the end. I think that's the subtext that we can take away from, from it's that. It's a, a lovely bit of satire. Uh, <laughs> I think it is a lovely bit of satire. <laughs> just let that linger in the air <laughs> just in case there's anyone who did think that and you can go oh, am i am i a fucking idiot oh, i think i might be yeah pathetic that was a pathetic thing to say like you know she's allowed to enjoy being a woman that's fine isn't it you'd think so you'd um, think so right yeah. uh but she's not allowed to to be the best artist i mean she's not she's not the best artist of the year so you know but you know what it was a mixture of the kind of depressing and the actually quite good we said at the end of last year you know mainstream music is is some of it is really great you know mm -hmm. some of it is really really good and there was it was nice to see a few things that i was like oh, that's actually really good mm. you know little sims dave wolf alice i was like that is good to see those people winning those awards <clears throat> and you know it made it gave me like i wouldn't say it made me feel any much more respect towards the brits but i was like at least it's not a complete disaster yeah and it has gone through years where it is just a total car crash yeah definitely um mm. and i think even if the brits is half good or even a third good i think that's actually an indication that pop's in a really good place just generally mm. I mean, they brought back they brought back the kind of best rock and alternative. They've also brought back like the best dance. Again. Oh, it's the first time in eleven years since we had the best dance act, and yeah. I was like, that's mad. You think how big dance music has been? The kind of renaissance of electronic music over the last decade, and they've just they've just ignored, ignored it. it. I mean, it's like you could kind of understand like for rock music, yeah, rock's been in the fucking toilet for you know this you know we've spoken about the difficulties of rock bands breaking through and blah 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 into the mainstream or whatever so you could kind of you could kind of understand that but best dance band not be like artists being 
just ignored for the last decade. It's absolutely bizarre. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, let's get on with some reviews. This is what we should be doing, really. I'm going to start with Carl Luna Renfrey. Do you mind that? Yep, yeah, no, that's all good with me. Your odd Carl of Luna, <laughs> The Long Road North. It's the eighth full-length album from the Umir Sweden post-metal legends, the follow-up to the rather spectacular A Dawn to Fear album from 2019, which ended up in both Renfrey and my best album of the year list. I Both in the top ten, I believe. I think it might have been both of our number four or five that's my recollection as well yeah i i was gonna say both of our fives but it was it was very highly it was high. rated by both of us yeah. yeah yeah just as a sort of very very brief elevator pitch recap of why we were so dead chuffed uh with that record it was for me i mean this is was my my kind of recollection of uh, of that record the things that i liked were i guess that kind of indified Radiohead style bits that they'd added to their sound which um, actually listening back to the record on reflection feel more like kind of traditional Scandinavian folk elements as much as they do I guess Radiohead-y, Bon Iver-y, Arcade Fire-y, indie mm. bits but you know I think both both cases could there's an argument could for apply. both of those things being true yeah, yeah. Um, but a fucking brilliant, brilliant, brilliant record. One of my favourite Carter Luna records, I would say. Um, a Dawn to Fear, a very much a uh, case of a band, you know, relatively late on in their career. Certainly, it, it feels like Cult of Luna are at least in the mid part of their career, I would say. Um, you know, like you said, this is their eighth album. It's ninth if you include the uh, Mariner album they did with Judy Christmas. I don't know if that counts mm-hmm. or not, to be honest. I was mm-hmm. just pointing out. Um yeah, but I thought Dawn to Fear, like, one of their best records, basically. It'd probably be in my top three Cold Luna records. I absolutely loved it. Yeah, so the bar, inevitably, is really, really fucking high for this record. Yeah. Really fucking high. Particularly off the back of the EP that they put out last year, which featured Mark Lanigan, yeah. which we were also very, very keen on. Fantastic. Yeah, which and is 38 really, minutes. Really good. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. practically an album, but yeah, absolutely for other bands it would be an album exactly yeah, yeah. Uh, they're also working on this album I noticed with Colin Stetson who does sound like he's uh, from an episode of Brass Eye but actually <laughs> <laughs> he's worked with Bon Iver Arcade Fire Tom Waits and he's done some movie scores including a score for the movie Hereditary mm, great film don't know if you've seen that but it's fantastic I haven't seen that no it's great that. it's great okay. it goes a bit bonkers towards the end which I'm not a big fan of but other than that it's perfect oh Spoiler alert. Yeah. Well, I won't say uh, that. Uh, yeah. I, I think the contribution from, um, oh, remind me of his name, Mr. Stetson. Colin uh, Stetson. Is, is, it has been absolutely amazing, actually. I think An Offering to the Wild is one of the big songs that he contributed to quite a lot. And that is, I mean, that is the epic of the album, longest song of the album, absolutely transcendental piece of music. Um, which starts with, I mean, I don't know specifically what Colin Stetson did, but that song s- starts with this sound which sounds like bagpipes being played backwards. And it feels to me as if he would be someone who'd sort of come in and apply those sorts of samples to it. I think the reason why I think that is the other big track that he worked on was the closing track, Beyond Two. Um, and that is a really strange smorgasbord of 
weird electronic sounds that I don't feel like... I mean, Cart of Luna obviously have experimented with electronic sounds before, but when I think yeah. of their experimentations with electronic sounds, you know, Vertical um, immediately comes to mind. That was far more mm. of a cold, hard, uh, industrial type of thing. This feels like very... Uh, this feels very different to that side of the electronic spectrum, doesn't it? I think that's fair to say. It feels more psychedelic, more woozy, maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but I really like it. Yeah, I, 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 is it that, I mean, I, yeah, it does, definitely vertical felt colder. I think there are bits in this where, because it's Cult of Luna, it, it always feels um, like everything they do feels quite oppressive, like regardless on how. Yeah. So I think there's a, there's a much more, there's a more sort of shimmering crystalline sheen to the bits. I think that Colin Stetson adds to this record, but I think it's hard for anyone coming in to well, with the exception of Julie Christmas and actually there's a there's a bit from um uh, uh Mariam Wallentin mm. who provides vocals mm. on uh, beyond eye those are the only times i can really recall where someone has managed to come into cult of luna even mark lanigan i mean mark lanigan's quite a dark soul as he is but i mm. i feel like cult of luna kind of swallow and envelop whoever they kind of come into collaboration with because they're so fucking dark and oppressive kind of all the time well i see where you're coming from but then at the same and i i don't disagree but at the same time you've listed as many examples of when someone has come in and collaborated with them and made it different <laughs> as ones when they haven't done that so you know, like, I mean, I, I think Julie Christmas and uh, Mariam Wallentin are both really good examples of that. You know, like mm. they do, they lead okay. it, they change it, you know. Well, well, let, well, let me rephrase that then. Mm. Colin Stetson, for my money, doesn't either. Uh, he I, integrates I himself more. Yeah, with their sound. yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I think his, 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 yeah, his. So. I do agree that it's a slightly different approach in terms of the electronics of an album like Vertical. But mm. at the same time, I think the overall effect is quite similar. Okay. I mean, I, I think I, in a way that's sort of what you want because you don't want mm. you don't want a collaboration to completely yeah, you don't want, throw out those elements. don't want Hadaway coming in, do you? <laughs> um, it would be an interesting change of pace uh, on a Golden Luna record. Um but I, I, I just really, I mean, I found myself, before I even read that he was involved in the project, An Offering to the Wild was my favourite song on the record. Probably not a surprise because it's the longest one on the record as well. But a close second was Beyond Two as well. And those just happen to be the two that he's really collaborated the most with. Uh, with them on. So, you know, I thought, okay, there's probably something in that. You know, An Offering to the Wild has saxophone in it, the instrument of the moment. Um, but again, it's done in a quite sort of strange loopy uh unusual way it's kind of wild sax but not in a off-putting way i suppose it's used as a texture rather than an instrument no, yeah it's not like. like the stooges no no yeah yeah um uh and i i think just i think there's three parts of that song it builds with a really really slow menace but keeps you totally enraptured and then this 
expulsive, distorted element comes in around four and a half minutes in. But it's not, it's quite muted compared to how you feel it's going to be. And that's because they have another level to take it at, like another four minutes later. And, you know, it's a really long song. It's 12, 13 minutes long. But I just found it captivating and hypnotic because it, you know, if you listen to it passively, it doesn't feel like anything's changing. But if you listen to it like intently and actually pay attention, you realise that everything is changing all the time, just really in really subtle ways. Yeah, I mean, I've kind of kind of already mentioned. I think my two, oh, well, we've mentioned two of my favourite songs on the record. So I think mm. Beyond Eye, with that mm. kind of, it gives you something different with that lilting high vocal. You get some more ambient, dark mood passages, it's beautiful, which that kind song. of yeah it it's a you know and this is what i mean by cult of luna like it stops the brutality but it doesn't kind of quash the threat absolutely yeah and i think that's really good i mean i have to say i think it starts the first couple like you know cult of luna are very good but the first few songs they just sound like cult of luna to me i think they're just like this is pretty it starts like a cold cult of luna album cold burn is i think fairly cult of luna style cult of luna mm. it's not really doing anything they haven't done before um if you said to me what do cult of luna sound like this is the sound that is conjured in my head mm. and i guess at this point we've already said eight maybe nine with big old eps that could count as 10 20 years as a band you can't really expect massive you know, a band with such a recognisable sound, with such a defined yeah. sound, you can't really expect them to do anything super new. You can't expect them to reinvent themselves to the point where you go, oh my God, I never saw that coming. Um, no, absolutely. In- I, I, and I certainly think Colburn and The Silver Arc, the two songs that you're referring to, are by far and away the most atypical Cult of Luna tracks um it and you know those two tracks together take up around about uh 15 16 15 minutes, minutes of the records mm. yeah so it's you know it's the first i mean it's a 69 minute record in total so it's still only like a fifth of the album if that um but yeah i, I mean it certainly doesn't feel like you're getting thrown loads of stuff new I suppose I'm such a massive fan of what Cult of Luna do. I don't mind that all that much. But I will, I don't know if I'm extending this and putting words in your mouth, but I will extend it and say, whilst I don't think Cold Burn or The Silver Arc, I think both of those songs are fucking great. They may yeah, be, good, yeah. they may be my least, the, they may be the moments on the record that I am least interested in because I feel like I have heard a lot of that sort of stuff done before by Cult of Luna. So I suppose they're the songs I'm least interested in on the album, but they're still fantastic, I would say. Yeah, they are. And I think there's stuff like An Offer Into The Wild, uh, which you've already mentioned. There's song like Into The Night, which I thought actually started with the kind of melodies and the kind of sort of clean parts that Opeth used to do before they went full prog. And, you know, again, that's not insane progression or oh my god where the hell did that come from but it is still interesting you it's know still it's di- still cool and it is different and it's, it's like different for a Cult little, of Luna, yeah it's different for cult of luna and you know i mean there's there's hand claps on full moon yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is unexpected Fuck, fucking hand claps which is you know i mean it i guess is kind of um 
really just a precursor to the title track it kind of is it's a sort of interlude but you know it's a good three minutes or so isn't it if i recall yeah uh yeah three minutes six um and it has a great atmosphere to it 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 very i mean i think bands like cult of luna and tall and stuff like that like they're they treat their interludes with as much reverence as their songs quite often i think full moon's a really good example of that but yes it is really an intro to blood upon stone which is the second longest song of the album and yeah fucking great <laughs> now that has got some big toolisms in it for me yeah this is yeah. the most i've ever thought that cult of luna sounded like tall there's a riff in the middle like tonally the style about it it just screams tall to me and i've never heard them feel so um so close in style to tall like neurosis is the obvious comparative point for cult of luna for the sort of first part of their career mm-hmm. way more so than a band like tall or yeah between the Buried and Me or, you know, like something or Opeth or whatever. But there are enough bits in this record where I'm like, fucking hell, that like the Tooley, Opeth, that style of thing, that almost like prog metal rather than post metal. Absolutely, yeah. They are starting to sort of do bits and bobs of that as well, which um, which I'm I'm sort of drawn on, to be honest, Renfrey, because I prefer, I, I, I feel like I, I'm very difficult to, to please in this instance, I think. I listened to this earlier and I was like, I really like this record, but I feel like I'm being very, very difficult to please with it. Because on one hand, I'm like, I prefer the post-metal stuff they do to the kind of prog-metal stuff. I would probably say I prefer post-metal in general to prog-metal. So I was like, ah, I think you are better at doing the other thing overall. But then the other side of it, when they do do those first couple of songs, because I've heard them so much, I'm not as interested. So I'm being a right fucking stickler for like, what do I want here? Do you know what I mean? Mm. I think, um, I mean, I have a very clear view of what I feel of this feel about this record and and which side of those two, uh, which side of the fence I'm on regarding that. Um, I think if the Long Road North had been nine variations of Coldburn or the Silver Arc or both of them, those first two tracks, I think I would have been, this is another solid Cult of Luna album. If you like Cult of Luna, and I do, then you'll really like it. You should check it out. But because it does feel to me that this album does have an identity of its own, like I think people really... Uh, reacted positively to Vertical because of the whole Metropolis Association and as soon as you knew it was about Metropolis you could kind of hear it in the identity of the album that it was very strongly there. I feel like this has a far more kind of psychedelic sort of um, Mm. persuasion to it and yeah, prog metal, I can see that but it feels like that that is this album's identity and I'm all for that because I actually think they only go into those prog metal textures maybe two or three times on the record. It's not very it's not very much, no. Yeah. It's not very much. And they might stick in that territory for a short while because that's what Cotaluda tend to do. They don't kind of go off in loads of different directions every, you know, ten seconds. They're not that band at all. Um so, you know, probably probably ten minutes worth of the record that you could, you know, point at and go, that's prog metal. Um but uh, you know that's a seventh of the uh, you know it just it just that's just what gives this record the identity for me. You said with the Dawn to Fear it was the more sort of 
folk swedish folky elements of it and, and again yeah i'd agree and i, I just think that mm. that's this record's identity and i yeah. really like it <laughs> i mean i'm i'm all for it i think it sounds fucking great yeah i think it's good i mean this is very very good clearly i think it loses for me a dawn to fear is better than it because mm-hmm. when it all those things that i enjoyed about a dawn to fear that i just spoke about that kind of indie uh progressive indie and folk based elements that i thought were whilst kind of intertwining them with that core cult of lunar sound i actually found that a, a that's a that's a more interesting and broader spectrum than i think what we get on this record personally because i think prog metal is closer in style to post metal than indie is to post yeah. metal if, yeah. if you like so i do think this is a bit of a a bit of a kind of step down from a dawn to fear personally hmm. i say a bit of a step down i mean look it's really good Mm. everything they do pretty much has been good at least good at the very very least very good um and in the last decade i think pretty much everything they've put out has been fucking exceptional so if i were to say i think this is the worst thing they've put out this in the last decade that sounds like i'm slagging it off but actually because vertical is fucking incredible because mariner is fucking incredible and because the dawn to fear was fucking incredible i think those are all high nines pushing tens whereas i think this is a high eight interesting um i think you already know because i revealed over the phone how i felt about this record but uh, but mm. from that perspective i don't agree um i think this is possibly i mean i think i do prefer this record to a dawn to fear i don't think one's better than the other i think they're just both different um but personally for my tastes and money i I think i do prefer this one to a dawn to fear just about um i definitely prefer it to vertical um it's tough with mariner because i think mariner really is an incredible high point of their career but I, i i really responded very very well to this record indeed and to be honest because of the ridiculously high expectations and the fact that a dawn to fear was i i was so revered by me and you um I expected the next album to be yeah I did expect it to be a step below the last one because it, it's an incredible record to follow up but for me I think this is as good at, at the very very least if not better and I've probably only come to that conclusion that I think it might be better the last few days we've had it for a couple of weeks um, but I'm kind of convinced, you know, sometimes the way that you feel about Carter Luna Records, it takes six months to digest it properly. And the way it's going, yeah. it just feels to me that this is going to get better and better and better. I definitely think it will get better and better and better. I mean, I, you know, obviously we've had this a little while. And at first, I, I was almost, I wouldn't say I was disappointed when I first listened to it, but I was like, I don't, I haven't been it hasn't struck me in the same way as I have been struck by them before with that immediacy. But I was like, Oh, you know, that, that will probably come. I'm sure. And there are now bits on it, which I think are just like fucking incredible. And I do think this is a really, really good record. I just think the bar for them is so high. Mm. It's so fucking high that I wouldn't say this doesn't make the bar, but I think it, because you know it's still it's still really good but i do think it's it's the least brilliant of a bunch of things that are brilliant that's interesting i i, I think it's um i think cult of luna's discography 
the quality of it is so high um it's a little bit like every time i die just to bring up that band one more time um in that you know you'll have your own personal favorites but if someone said oh gutter phenomenon is there is my favorite of theirs you wouldn't be like oh well that's that opinion's just wrong you know that cult luna have i would say at least five records that you could point to and go that's my favorite one and people would just have to be like yeah fair enough i mean it is phenomenal you know and it feels like it feels like the quality of both of those back catalogs is similar in that sense i just don't think i don't i think i think if i said to you this is my favorite Cotaluna record i don't think you'd be like what are you what are you talking about that's insane no no i wouldn't no i don't think i would i mean particularly like i think a few months down the line i certainly wouldn't maybe right now i would because i'd go you've only had this a couple of months and you're saying it's the best one they've ever put out you're Uh, you're willing to pin the tail on that donkey are you straight away i mean i'm not but i do think this is in my top three Cotaluna records definitely okay Mm. i fucking love it it is good it is really good like obviously it is it's Cult of Luna it's really good yeah, yeah. Um, I don't like for me it's a, it's slightly below A Dawn to, yeah it's it's a, a bit below A Dawn to Fear I'd say it's probably actually on par with the EP it's just longer in terms of how much I like it okay I'd say it's but, probably on, on yeah I liked the EP more than you did as well though I actually returned to the EP for this review and I still think it's fucking amazing. So, I mean, there are, I think there are, um, they, they actually said that they, uh, some of the material that is on the long road north is sort of material they didn't finish for a dawn to fear. And there was a, you know, it feels like quite a quick follow up for Cult of Luna. Um, and mm. I did have a slight fear um that we might have a bit of a load reload situation um but i think this album isn't like i know it is quite different yeah, yeah i wouldn't know at all that some of these songs i don't know which ones but apparently some of them had their origins in the adorned fear sessions um mm. I, they feel very separate to me the only thing that doesn't feel separate about them is they've come pretty close together for cult of lunar records they're very much a band who tend to take their time um, yeah. And especially with the EP in between it as well, you know, it's like it feels like we've got a lot of Cult of Luna in a very short space of time. But I think the quality is just—I I would give all of those nines easily, all of those last three releases, including the EP. I think they're all fantastic. Mm. They are all really, really, really good. And then when you add in the other stuff as well, exactly. yeah, they, I mean, it's just yeah. been a fucking pretty phenomenal decade of, of music overall. Yeah. And this is no slight on them mm. for me to say it's the worst. The, the the like the even using the word worst feels stupid because yeah. it's not the worst anything yeah. do you know what I mean but it is probably my least favorite but undoubtedly I will still listen to it a hell of a lot yeah yeah a hell of a lot because it is great so there you go the long road north by cult of luna that's out now let's move on to another record which we're very excited about zelanada by zelanada the full length third full length album from the black metal mixed with chain gang inventors i mean i say band it's really just manuel isn't it manuel gan you i can never say his yeah yeah gan you i would imagine is how it's pronounced Gen-Yu. Gen-Yu. um rather than an actual band this is a follow-up to 2018's stranger fruit record which we um really really loved again i think it was my number two album of the year in 2018 and it saw the band become i would say a little bit more congealed in the things that they were doing as opposed to devil is fine that kind of scrappy bedroom opening gambit that the band 
put out in 2016. It all felt a little bit more connected and I personally think a little bit more authentic, actually. Yeah. I think each Zeal and Arda release has seen uh, the band or Manuel uh, refine the initial idea and the initial formula and um, distill it down um, it's interesting going back to devil is fine now i mean the record not the song and hearing some of the more electronic things that were involved with that record you know don't really quite fit the zeal and Arda sound and what it's become now they sounded far more of a bird mask type thing which is his other poppier more more mainstream sounding um it's not bigger than zeal and Arda at all but his other projects basically um and I think that process of refining, it was interesting because Stranger Fruit is an album that I loved. I thought it was absolutely brilliant, but I didn't love it quite as much as you. And um, basically I felt like he was so close, but not it wasn't quite there for my money. And I do feel, I mean, this is a little bit of a spoiler for this album review, but I do feel like with this one, we really have nailed exactly what it is. Not only that Zeal and Arda can do now, but what they will broaden out towards doing in the future as well. Yeah, I mean, I think it's clear that that Manuel is always looking to evolve this band. And I Absolutely. think that this album brings an evolution that has almost changed the point of what the band even was. I mean, they were a joke, weren't they? They were a joke-born from a response to a troll on a on a on a message board a kinda yeah i mean joke might be a, a little bit of an ott way to put it but it was it was it was a flippant thing to do a, a mucking yeah mucking about basically yeah yeah and and it and it was cool and it became a really cool idea but i think the longevity of the band needed to be considered and i think this is where the sound of Zionada, i think is properly established 100%. and i think it sets sets them up for a pretty exciting second act of their career absolutely um, yeah you know that's interesting actually i hadn't thought of it like that but this does feel like the closing of chapter one and and i hope it is actually because i feel like <laughs> with this specifically this is as far as it's gonna go but there's loads of really encouraging things in it as well i think zeal and Arda detractors you know probably without even properly sitting down and listening to the records think it is just a one-trick pony and mm. a one idea thing which is not gonna run but i think manuel has shown multiple times on this record that there's plenty of gas left in the tank absolutely and i think the idea of it being oh it's black metal and it's slave music i mean that's not even that accurate now is it i mean i think this in turn is particularly depends on the, the black metal depends on the song but but particularly for me, the black metal. I mean, yeah, I think there's less this of it. feels much less of it. I think now when you, the, the, the metal influences that I look at now, they're much groovier, much more kind of alternative metal. And dare I say it, Renfrey, much more new metal on this ah, record. Yeah. And they've you've got those, you know, you won't like this, um, a lot of people. But when I listen to um, a song like Death to the Holy. Death uh, to the Holy. That, yeah, that has got some very Marilyn Manson style electronic bits mm. going on underneath it, which are very Antichrist superstar. Mm. And uh, you know, immersion starts like a bring like a kind of modern Bring Me the Horizon song, very sort of trippy, and then it blasts into something 
unbelievably heavy. My reference, go, my reference point for immersion was more Violet Cold and Asteroid and that major key black metal movement, I feel. But it's interesting that you said Bring Me the Horizon. Yeah. And I was thinking, I mean, I don't uh, disagree, but I, I think both of those reference points are accurate. It's just looking at it from a slightly different angle, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I listening to this record, I've, I feel like I know which one Manuel was aiming for in terms of mm. where he's going with his career more mm. and mm. i uh, this band want to be big like it's yeah, clear yeah. to me that this band want to be big and i think that you know there's this is an ambitious record not in, just in terms of what it does musically or and how it does it but in terms of making this shit appeal to a lot of people i think this record will appeal to a lot of people i mean you know when they go into the blasting black metal stuff it's really great and I think it sounds great because it's used a lot more sparingly overall. Yes. I think you've got shit like, you know, Golden Lyre, which is as close oh. to a ballad as anything that they've ever done before. That's where the it's Tom fucking... Waitsy stuff really comes in, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, Tom Waits with the like gospely backing choir. Absolutely brilliant track, yeah. Golden Lyre. And there's stuff that they do, which my kind of favourite thing that Zee and have ever done come on like back to back. You've got Bow and Feed the Machine. And Feed the machine. That kind of dark brood on the first one, that kind of dark brooding industrial with the whoa, 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 and Manuel doing those super soulful vocals is just the best. And yeah. one stays in that sort of soulful, soulful area, and the other one just gets really heavy very, very quickly. Yeah. But yet it's still incredibly catchy. And again, the riff on Feed the Machine, I was like, this is a fucking Sepultura Chaos AD riff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. This is not black metal. This yeah. is this is 90s groove metal it's riffing. It's definitely... I don't even know if this is what it's aiming for, but it's definitely the Zionada record with the most moments that you'd be likely to put on in a rock club. You know, because yeah. there is more of that emphasis on groove. Um, I would also say industrial sounds. You've already mentioned the Antichrist mm -hmm. Superstar stuff um then the the you know yeah blast beated black metal stuff that stuff is still there definitely yeah but it does mean that this record just it well it makes you want to move doesn't it like it makes you just want to groove like it is a it is a irresistible combination especially with those backing gospely vocals with all the kind of like all the stuff that we already know from Zealanada, you know um that that kind of paranoid fear of the devil uprising and all that sort of thing it just works so well this is the best con uh conglomeration of those elements definitely me. i mean mate i caught you that is a new metal riff that is a new metal riff. <laughs> I thought you right? were saying you caught me, but you mean the no, song no. I caught you. I, yes. The song yes. I caught at yes. the start of that song. That is a fucking new metal riff. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. hate again, I hate to break it to you fucking like you might go, oh black metal and that is a more original idea to mix that kind of soul stuff with black metal. Yes, you're right, it probably is. But but new metal and groove metal actually work much better with this more soulful style than kind of gnarly underground evilness and it's but it still sounds evil and it still sounds fucking heavy and it still sounds really really threatening and it means they can do like a gospel song like church burns oh which yeah is so catchy yeah and then do and then the riff is rage against the machine it's mm -hmm. not dark throne it's rage against the machine yeah. like 
But even I caught, I mean, I caught you has that um, the guitar line is very system of a down. I thought like that's the end of new metal. It is for yeah. for me. It's that palm muted like war type thing, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when it does come in and there's that steam hiss on the offbeat on the second, what I'm going to call chorus, just this bit which just goes <sighs> on this offbeat, <laughs> and it just sounds so cool. And it's really, really simple stuff like that but brilliantly put together in a way you know and i think a large issue i had with stranger fruit is it was very long and as uh, consequently it repeated some of its tricks throughout the runtime and what i like about this record is it's still a relatively long record it's not quite as long as stranger fruit but it doesn't feel like it repeats its tricks anywhere near as often i think a couple of times throughout the runtime mm. but but stranger fruit to me felt like i was you know one playthrough would feel like i'd listen to an album twice through you know and this doesn't it yeah. doesn't feel like that with this no i mean you know again um jmb is like a rock <sighs> song Crazed rock oh, and roll. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Like you got. I mean, we've gone past "Hold Your Head Low," which is either which which can only be either brutal as fuck or really kind of jazzy, mm. like Nina Simone jazz, and it's that's really good. I think um, "Hold Your Head Low" is proof that going in that and Nina Simone's a really good show actually, but going mm. in that Tom Waitsy Nick Cave uh, arena is a really promising avenue for Zealand to explore. It's not the only point on the record where they do that. Um, but uh, I think it, I think it's really, really promising them doing that. Um, just popping back to JMB super, super quickly, the crazed rock and roll piano thing. It, it, mm. Very Queens of the Stone Age. That one note kind of do, 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 or Little I, Richard or whatever, you know. I've put, um, it's a black metal, it's a rock song with black metal vocals, like Muse, if Muse were heavy and good. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. They're obviously, <laughs> obviously, they're, they're a ridiculous thing to say because they're so far away from being either of those things. Uh, anyway, and they end with some Blade Runner music. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, which does feel like it really fits still. Um, I think Zeal and Ardit, you know, this self-titled album, it is the album that this entire project has been leading up to. It retains that the, the slaves raising up against their oppressors angle whilst also laying down a blueprint for where Zealand, this Zealand Arda project can go in the future. I think alongside the Wake of a Nation EP, which, you know, for my money, this album is unquestionably the most uh, boiled down to its most essential elements that Zealand Arda have been, while still showing a really bright future for where they can go. This is the album I've been waiting for them to make. You know? Best album? Of the three? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Best album, undoubtedly. The only reason why I hesitated is because I actually think this is on a par with the Wake of a Nation EP, but I think they're totally different. Um, so I kind of don't think they deserve comparison almost. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, even so, I actually think it probably is the best thing they've released, including that EP, actually, comes to think of it, because um, that EP is very short. Um, and this is far more satisfying you know there's some far more going on and stuff like that and yeah. and i love the fact that for the most part when they released that ep there was a lot of talk of like oh are zealand are going to become a political band and this kind of suggests that no they're not that that was just something that they wanted to say at that time it was a response to the george floyd stuff and they felt 
a need to say it and so they so they did and that's what art kind of should it be, also just really. suggests that people don't think that there's anything inherently political in the entire ethos and point of zelanada which mm. i would argue that actually they're not that there is <laughs> do you know yeah. what i mean yeah yeah well yeah. no no abso- absolutely the, the entire the entire when you when you look at uh, devil is fine and stranger fruit and you look at the lyrics and what those songs are about and what they're supposed to be representing they're not they're not obviously banging you on the head they're not like fucking american idiot no yeah like banging absolutely on their head politics but they those things are inherently political ideas aren't they there's an undercurrent of it th- obviously throughout the entire project but with wake of a nation it was uh it was more uh explicit, american. it yeah. was more explicit and it was more american idiot in the way that it presented itself in that like no this is what this is about and you know it was it was it was super super clear not um, as good as american idiot though right <laughs> um oh uh what a strange thing to compare well i know what you think so yeah 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 (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i love this record i don't love american idiot by the way um (laughs) i love love, this record too i love this band i love okay well that's all right it's just under (laughs) people like oh you love this maybe i'll check it out i love american idiot i'm not sure i trust his opinion anymore um i love this band so much and I think this is yeah. going to be one of the best albums of the year. It's I fucking agree. brilliant. Yeah. It's fucking fucking brilliant. They're just so yeah. unique. They are. They do that thing. We've said it a whole bunch of times. Being able to surprise you while still sounding like nothing else but them is is such a difficult trick to pull off. And yet they do it over and over and over and over again, and have done it pretty much since day one. But I think at this point you've got you've got the hit laden superstar record from Zelenada here it is fucking fantastic this record it's brilliant and you should definitely go and listen to it otherwise you know you're scum anyway let's move on Zelenada by Zelenada <laughs> Earthling by Eddie Vedder is where we're going next the third full length solo outing from the Pearl Jam frontman the long awaited follow up to his Ukulele Songs album from 2011 been a while without <laughs> a Without an Eddie Vedder solo album, Renfrey, is that something that you've missed in your life as a massive Pearl Jam fan? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> I find Eddie Vedder's solo albums uh, an interesting curiosity more often than not. I think my favourite remains his soundtrack for Into the Wild, uh, which is really good, actually. It's very short, um, but it is quite good. Ukulele Songs is an interesting curio, which is actually much better than you would imagine. Uh, it's exactly what it says on the tin. It's songs on the ukulele. Um, but, um, uh, you know, it, it, it's perfectly fine, but I don't feel like I've been sitting waiting for this album to come out for the last 11 years or anything like that. But this is an interesting deviation in that it's his first solo record with a band, so to speak, The Earthlings, who consists of Glenn yeah. Hansard on guitar and backing vocals. People will know him from the film Once. Uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers drummer Chad Smith. Upon a time! I could Sorry. Yeah, on. not that once, the, the other ones. Um, uh, Chili Peppers drummer Chad Smith, former Chili Peppers guitarist and current Pearl Jam touring member Josh Klinghoffer. James Addiction bassist Chris Cheney and producer Andrew Wyatt. Yeah, and also features 
contributions from the likes of Ringo Starr, Stevie Wonder, and Elton John. It's, I mean, yeah, it's th- those are three pretty astonishing guests to get on your I record, know, right? aren't they? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it's mad. It's mad, the contributions on this record, but yeah. It is mad. And what we've got here, I mean, the album's called Earthling, like the David Bowie album. And yeah. I did wonder, and I did wonder, is is Eddie Vedder going for a little bit of kind of Bowieisms here on on this? And it, I, I wondered if we were going to get more kind of ukulele songs because that's sort of what I expected. Because like you, you sort of think to yourself, like when people go solo, Eddie Vedder just playing songs on a ukulele as his solo career that makes sense because it's very different from what Pearl Jam do. Yeah. What we sort of got here with Earthling, I would say, is essentially like, I don't want to use the word dumbed down, but certainly more straightforward, Springsteen-esque, alternative rock, sort of country rock, Americana stuff, which doesn't feel like it, like, like Pearl Jam, but it also doesn't feel like it's a billion miles away from the sort of thing Pearl Jam do, particularly on the sliding scale of playing songs on the ukulele and playing spin the black circle. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um, Springsteen is going to come up a lot uh, on this review. I think particularly born in the USA era Springsteen, it's that huge kind of eighties breast beating optimism, isn't it? I think. Um, Breast beating. Yeah. Like, yes, I'm really optimistic. Most people say chest beating, but you have you have because the chest is like the full area. That's but you fair, have yeah. you have honed in particularly on the breast. Oh, memory. that does that does sound a little bit. It does sound yeah. like that's oh. make you sound a bit like a pervert. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, I think further clues to the sound of this record can be found in what the band have been covering live. So they've been opening. Oh, get this, Eddie Vedder doing a version of drive by rem they've been opening with that which is nice uh they've been covering tom petty in the heartbreakers the beatles yeah yeah. uh the lars uh patty smith george harrison pretenders there's a lot of that kind of um yeah optimistic i mean i think born in the usa era springsteen is the one isn't it there's enough there's enough of a distinction I get what you're saying regarding the difference between Pearl Jam material and the ukulele stuff. Although there are a couple of songs played on ukulele in Pearl Jam's back catalogue. But I do, Uh for the most part, I understand what you're saying. I think there is undoubtedly enough of a distinction on this record from the Pearl Jam stuff. It doesn't sound like a Pearl Jam album. It doesn't sound like Pearl Jam. No. I'm going to make one comparison with something that we said. So obviously we spoke for, what, fucking seven hours? about verses and vitality by yeah, Pearl Jam recently. Much, yeah. And something which came up more than once, and this is was no shade to the other members of Pearl Jam, was that occasionally Pearl Jam can write a fairly perfunctory hard rock song that you go, this is fine. But you put Eddie Vedder over top of it and it goes from being fine to being euphoric mm-hmm. and incredible. Yeah. Now... I would now I'm going to say this now because I feel like if I don't I'll be saying it quite a lot as we go through the songs. A lot of the songs on this record are musically very unremarkable. And if some yes. of the 
vocalists from many of the other alternative rock bands or, or rock bands or whatever that we have spoken about previously were, were singing on them i think we'd go this is all right this is kind of sort of high four five out of ten like perfectly fine mm -hmm. but eddie vedder just gives all of these songs a little extra oomph now does that mean that it gets up to the point where i go this album is essential and it's brilliant not really mm. but i think it certainly is a far better record than it probably has any right to be due to the presence of eddie vedder Absolutely. performance of eddie vedder mm. yeah um i agree and disagree i definitely agree with you in terms of what we were talking about before with verses in phytology sometimes pearl jam write a fairly ho-hum song and then eddie vedder comes in and just makes it absolutely amazing um i think for the first time ever in all the time i've been listening to pearl jam and eddie vedder there are places that Eddie takes the material sometimes which I actually don't like and think are not very good choices. And this is kind of the difficult thing reviewing this album for me because I haven't actually... I, I think everything he's doing on paper is the right thing to do. I think making it a distinct enough sound from Pearl Jam is an important thing to do. There have been times in the past where Pearl Jam's material and Eddie Vedder's material have, I think, quite uncomfortably mixed too much. There was a short period of time where they were doing, Pearl Jam were doing Eddie Vedder songs live. And I don't think, I would rather have those he two things. He did at the O2, he came out and did a couple, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. And I'd rather have those two things separate, to be honest. Even when he does stuff that I I like i just feel like there should be a separation there there was a song on i know you weren't a massive fan of king animal but there was one song in particular on that album where it sounded like it didn't sound like a Soundgarden song it sounded like a chris cornell song and i think that's a bit of an issue when you do this so i think it's a really good thing that it you know there's no point at all really on this record where i go that should have been a pearl jam song or anything like that I think the problem is, is the direction that it goes on, I just really, I I really do struggle with. There's not, it, it pains me to say it, but there's not an awful lot that I like on this album, if I'm totally honest. And there's oh. 13 songs, and I think of the 13, I maybe like five of them, I would say, which isn't a disaster, but considering he's the vocalist in my favourite band, uh, it does feel a little bit like, oh man. Um, and I can't really get to the bottom of why that is. I think it is just a taste thing. But I'm, in a weird way, I'm more interested. I mean, do you want to. I don't feel like we need to do every track, do we? But do you no. want to go through a few highlights and we can discuss them? A few of your highlights or a few of your lowlights? Or... Well, I think the first sort of three songs is all kind of Springsteen y. Uh -huh. um, the first sort of couple. Here's what I did think about it. I thought there were some odd pacing choices on the record in terms of the actual. The, the way that the record was put together Absolutely. i think it starts i think it starts with that kind of fairly i mean i don't want to say middle of the road springsteen because that's really harsh but i did feel like you know this is somebody else doing bruce springsteen's more um 
uh, all-encompassing material. Do you know what I mean? Like I can it's see not that. You're talking that about challenging. Invin- you're talking about Invincible in particular, I am. aren't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I really like Brother of the Cloud as a song. I thought it was really good, but it does sound like Bruce Springsteen. Yes. Um, and there are some songs which I think would be nothing without his voice. I think Fallout Today and The Dark um, I, I, I don't really do anything musically for me but i think mm-hmm. eddie does good stuff with it and again the haves we're not we're pretty much are going through the haves yeah sorry the have the haves why would i call it the haves the <laughs> haves um again like you know uh i like that song but it's just sort of a country song like it's just sort of nice i guess it and sounded just, a little it sounded a little bit too close to charity single to me yeah it sounded yeah. a little bit it, too comic relief or children in need and i didn't really need that and then we get the period of the record where you get kind of like three big rocky bangers punky back to back. numbers you're like, yeah well, where yeah. the fuck have these come from yeah. so you know good and evil is like spin the black circle but not as good with yeah. a big goth goth synth breakdown at the end of it yeah very and, fuzz driven which is very unusual for eddie or pearl jam pearl jam don't I, use all that much fuzz really no and i actually really like rosa jericho i think Brilliant. eddie good. vedder's Vedder's voice and vocal patterns are the thing that makes that entire song. Yes, Rose of Jericho is definitely one of my highlights. I really like it. Um, Mm -hmm. The only downside to it for me is, I said, shame it's only two and a half minutes. And annoyingly, quite a lot of the highlights on this record for me are the really short songs, which is quite annoying. But yes, I I agree, Rose of Jericho is great. Uh, And then... Again, it's weird to hear Eddie Vedder doing kind of let's go era rancid on the next song as well. <laughs> I said it starts off sounding like King for a Day by Green Day. That that yeah, next it's, song, it's bizarre. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, well, here's three kind of like punk songs in the middle after it's all been fairly kind of yeah. one paced in middle of the roadie. And then you get these three songs and you go, I mean... I don't what think they're amazing. Yeah. yeah, I don't think they're amazing. And I mean, I mentioned yeah. Spin the Back Circle, and yeah. I think there are a lot of songs that we. I mean, if you again, if you go back to um, our verses and Vitality thing, we we were actually really like, you know, it's not what Pearl Jam are known for doing the more abrasive stuff, but they actually but really there was fucking punky good shit at doing on it. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah blood, yeah. go, mm. animal, blah blah. Yeah, blah. yeah, and um, but and then it's just sort of gone, and Elton John turns up on picture. Now yeah. I was <laughs> delighted to hear Elton John because I absolutely love elton john and i'm always delighted to hear elton john but he has lost his voice a little bit over the years i think it's fair to say he still sounds like elton john but it's a cool thing to do this isn't my favorite song on the album Mm. but i did enjoy hearing elton john you know fine and then it's certainly an odd pairing i mean look i understand fully why eddie vedder would reach out to Elton John and would like Elton John <laughs> to sing on his solo album. Like, why wouldn't you want that? I do get that. Um, but to be honest, I don't think Eddie Vedder's voice and Elton John's voice, I don't think those two voices go together very well. Especially and doing a sort of country song as well. Country it's duet. Sort of it's a, a swingy one, piano. Yeah, I guess country yeah. type thing. And it is done in the way, you know, Veda takes... Well, actually, I think Elton starts the song, but Elton takes a line, then Veda takes a line, then John takes a line, then Veda takes a line. And it, I think that just shows up how different their voices are. When I think back to, for example, for example, Hunger Strike, it feels like Chris Cornell's voice is supported by Veda's voice and vice versa. Here, it just feels like they're 
feels like feels like dancing the street with Bowie and uh, Mick Jagger. It? <laughs> yes, yes, it does actually. You know, they they are not a good thing. It's a weird thing where you get two vocalists who are clearly great, but actually them being together doesn't work. You know, I, I it's, I'm, it, yeah, it's a weird one. But I mean, yeah. it, it was like because I listened to it and I didn't know it was on the album. And I was like, that's got to be Elton John. Yeah, that's yeah, got to be. Yeah, yeah, and it and it obviously was. And then he tried to do a Beatles thing on Mrs. Mills. Mm. Um, I quite liked Mrs. Mills, especially when the Sergeant Pepper style brass comes in. It's definitely an eyebrowsing, eye, eyebrow raising moment on the record because, again, it doesn't feel like it fits in with any of the rest of the record, and it is just sort of plump there as the penultimate track. But taken in isolation, and actually, I saw a performance of it outside of the record on youtube and i think that's what made me like it um i actually think it's a, a really cool song in a sort of a storytelling type song in a kind of early yeah. counting crows or ben folds-esque sort of way um i'm sure matt mills will be delighted that eddie vedder has written Still a song for his mum um yeah. a very nice song as well um yeah. but i also understand i mean you haven't even said it yet but just from your uh, and your raised eyebrow i can understand you kind of going i don't really i'm not really into this it's not the worst i mean no, look, it's no. definitely not that it's definitely not the best but it's not no. the worst i just find people doing that like ah <sighs> I mean, Weezer did a whole album of it, pretty much. Yeah. And for some reason, it felt it, it felt good. It worked <laughs> yeah. when Weezer did it. But literally, yeah. any other when you just do one song and it's like, oh, I've heard Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, or the Magical Mystery Tour, or both, or Penny Lane. Do you know what I mean? It like, feels just totally like, out is... of place on the record. I'll give you that. Yeah. But I think the and song is good. The song isn't bad, but it's just like it's impossible to give it. I mean. You need a. You deserve a fucking music industry Oscar for finding two other artists that you can count in Crows and Ben Folds Five that you can compare it to because I because <laughs> that sound is so like it's the Beatles. What does yeah. it sound like? The Beatles. Yeah, but what else? Nothing the Be- else. Uh, yeah. The Beatles. It sounds like the Beatles. Well, to be it sounds, fair, it sounds like some. It sounds like a Saturday Night Live impression of the Beatles. Again, I don't <laughs> think it's a bad song, but it's like you know fucking. It's like a sketch show, dude. When people do this, I'm just like, oh my God, this is, this is, it's, it's just so fucking, it's so blatant. It might be the most blatant thing you can do in music making, in popular music, is to do like parpy kind of, and then that that beat was the thing. It's because no one else has, they did it (laughs) to every single person that's ever lived knows yeah. what that and they were the only people i mean you know i'm not saying that they were the only people who had maybe done it before i'm sure there's a few people had goes at that but certainly you know i've heard pet sounds i know there's bits and bobs of that in there but not like that and it's just become a thing that now people go let's do a song that sounds and i just think like well, it sounds like penny lane doesn't it it sounds like penny lane it's and you're onto a fucking you were onto a fucking hiding to nothing you're onto a fucking absolute hiding to nothing when you do that it's a good song but it, the, the the comparisons are so inescapable that i find it quite difficult to just not go that's the beatles and that's all i, I can hear i i don't disagree i i'm able to get over that hump i, I mean I, I agree it sounds like the beatles <laughs> it really does uh it sounds like penny lane um but i don't know i i i think the fact i mean eddie Paul does McCartney pull it off any- 
Paul McCartney invented Eddie Vedder, didn't he? <laughs> yes, he invented Eddie Vedder. <laughs> we invented Eddie Vedder. He was the first people to get Pearl Jam on the... We signed them to Apple Records before he was even alive. <laughs> well, you know, John came in one day and he had a bit of a Mike McGreedy thing. <laughs> He's got this little guy with him, Mike McGreedy. Do you want to talk about the last song? Or it's a nice. I think I think it's a nice way to end the record. I think yeah. on my way is quite a nice way to end the record. Well, on my but nice. again, on my way, a great track. I love it. Only two minutes long, but I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah but nice. it concludes with this weird Frank Sinatra meets David Bowie psychedelia kind of thing, which hasn't been attempted before on the record at all, and it's just mm. a really. Like, I do like it, but it's like, where's this come from? Um, yeah, it's it's strange. It's a funny it's a old really record. Odd record. It's a funny old record. It goes all over the gaff, doesn't it? And it, it, does. I think it base, but what it, I think what it shows is no matter what the style, and there are quite a few different styles that you you hear on this, there which are. is good. But Eddie Vedder is it shows how good Eddie Vedder is at elevating perfectly fine songs that are incredibly derivative of other things. And he does he does do that with Pearl Jam, you know, whether you like it or not. Um, you might be a massive Pearl Jam fan. You might be Nicky Six. And you might think they're boring, which is ironic, <laughs> isn't it? I, you know, I, like, like I said on Twitter the other day, I suppose if, uh, you know, drink driving, murdering, beating the shit out of women is uh, is your idea of being interesting, I'll stick to being boring. Yeah. Thanks very much. Yeah. yeah. I, suppose, I suppose it's hard to deny that that isn't at the very least interesting the way that Motley Crue behave, isn't it? It is interesting. I'd say but, um, it's not boring. I don't even know if I can boring. take myself to say it's interesting, but it's not boring. Mm. No. No. Twattish. No. I mean, that, that old feud got dug up this week, didn't it? Uh, the old grunge versus glam metal. Oh, I saw yeah. one person, I saw one person going, oh, glam metal, grunge is boring, glam metal is about rebellion. <laughs> about rebellion! Wearing a fucking, wearing some lipstick. <laughs> it was about, oh, I wore some. What did you do in the 80s? I fought the system by wearing lipstick, <laughs> doing loads of coke, singing really, 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 really badly about how big my dick was. And then I got loads of hookers and then 1991 came along and I I cut my hair I short. a flannel and, shirt. Yeah. And I bought a flannel shirt and I got dropped by my record label. <laughs> and now I fix vending machines. Yeah. Pretty much. That's a very accurate, accurate tale mm. that you just spun there. Nikki Six calling Pearl Jam boring. I mean, even if we take Motley Crue away, you're in 6am, mate. <laughs> Have you heard 6am? Um, I don't think I've ever had the pleasure, actually. I'm assuming they're boring. He can't call the sound of a pen being dropped on a bit of cardboard boring <laughs> when you're in 6am. <laughs> Fucking oh, hell. Okay, cool. Good. I'll listen to them can't wait don't listen to them it's the sound of your skeleton crumbling like a piece of stilton (laughs) just dying just dying how dare you nikki six how dare you anyway we might be biased might be a bit we might be a bit biased but anyway basically like i say he does do that with pearl jam eddie vedder elevates perfectly fine songs into something far better that's kind of basically his mo yeah yeah not sure he could do much with girls 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 but <laughs> i'd like to hear him try <laughs> oh, God. um but anyway this record is like it's just a bit weird really i think yeah 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 i don't hate it and in, in fact i i kind of like i i kind of had a nice time listening to it 
Okay. I don't know if I'll go back to it. But I had quite a nice time listening to it. I, I, I mean, I like Eddie Vedder. Yeah, I, 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 I don't hate it. I think there are things that are done on it which I find uh, like I, the the strange sort of improvised lyrical stuff at the beginning of Invincible, right at the beginning of the record, feels very disingenuous to me. And um, you know, Eddie Vedder and disingenuity disingenuity if that's a word those two things don't really go together for me so that when i hear that i'm a bit like oh i don't know if i maybe disingenuous isn't even the right word but it feels forced i would say um mm. i don't know maybe maybe my love of the man is too high for me to be able to properly sometimes you get people who are really like absolutely love a thing and then they'll do something else and the the reasons for them disliking that thing suddenly aren't even they don't even make much sense but there's just a weird kind of the closer you are to it sometimes it's kind of harder to kind of look at it more objectively and things tiny tiny things can bug you to a far harder harsher degree do you know what i mean it's a tough one with this record but it's certainly a weird weird album not even in the material so much as the way that it's presented and the the, mm. the, the flow of the record track is listing, totally, yeah. yeah totally it is odd it's an it's odd, odd record but you know I, I didn't expect it to be odd i sort of thought to myself like i mean in in a lot of ways that's kind of good because i actually didn't expect it to be surprising or odd really i thought oh we'll get eddie Vedder doing a nut of kind of like quite a, a bunch of quiet acoustic ukulele you know quite earnest songs yeah and we haven't got that no it definitely isn't so, that no I might, that I might have preferred that <laughs> but yeah. but yeah but it isn't Maybe. but it definitely isn't You've, and, you have and, already got that to be fair and, and i do yeah you're absolutely right i do already have that and you know it, even for a long term fan who obsesses over a load of the stuff that he does i was surprised by this undoubtedly so you're happy to just get the same thing over and over again to be fair aren't you (laughs) well yeah i mean i can hear that yeah i mean i am being hypocritical in that sense i suppose no i mean i would rather he did this because this is something different it's just i'm not a massive fan of it and i'm not sure if i will go back to it all that often to Mm. be totally honest i'll buy it because i'm obsessed with pearl jam but i I probably you know i need i need to have it in the collection like a like a a battered wife (laughs) (laughs) like a fucking moron i'll buy it yeah yeah i will buy it. uh anyway earthling by eddie vedder is out now let's do our last record it comes from woven hand the album is called silver sash this actually came out last week we were going to mention it last week but we were just a bit busy so we thought we'd whack it in here the ninth studio album from the alternative goth country rock band yeah kind that's right kind of I mean, this- this is the follow-up to their album Star Treatment from 2016. Now, I have never listened to this band before, so I had no real expectations going in on this album at all, really. I didn't really know what we were going to get. I saw the name Woven Hand, and I thought to myself, this is going to be some long-ass, fucking boring post-metal shit that Renfrey's demanding I <laughs> listen to eight or nine times. <laughs> but actually, it's it's not that at all, is it? This Definitely is not, no. It's 32 minutes for starters. <laughs> 32 minutes, 10 songs, and lots of 
lovely goth loveliness there's um weird parallels to the eddie vedder record in in the sense that this is an alternative country record in many ways and you could mm. label earthling as a alternative country record as well having said that they sound completely different from one another um so i got into woven hand when i got one of those excellent record label deals that you get from time to time from Deathwish. um one of those sort of potluck deals with the oh, yeah, yeah, big yeah. indie labels do sometimes i think it was like 30 cds for 30 dollars kind of thing the only catch is you don't know what you're going to get it's basically a way for them to get rid of stock that they need to shift mm -hmm. but it's very smart um and it can be an excellent way to discover new bands i remember discovering burden row and coliseum and lifelong tragedy and blacklisted from that box but also woven hand which was probably my favourite discovery, I would say, from that box. I was sent the band's seventh studio album, Refractory Obdurate, and I thought it sounded really unique and fantastic, and I've been a Woven Hand fan ever since, so I wanted to check this out. Um, yeah, alternative goth country, I guess, is a pretty good way to put it. I think there are other things that have begun to take an influence from Woven Hand. Like we said, this is his ninth album, so he's been doing this for quite a while. And I think there are comparisons to be made, let's say, with uh, um, Jay Jail, almost, or yeah. even that Teeth Grinder thing. I don't think Woven Hand is as oppressive as either, though. Certainly not as oppressive as Teeth Grinder, because Teeth Grinder is actually difficult to listen yeah. to. I wouldn't yeah. say Woven Hand is. I, I, I think it's actually really lovely <laughs> in, in, in a lot of uh, places but um there's a sort of shamanic element to woven hand as well that i really like uh i don't really i'm reluctant to say aranasi pazuzu because i don't want to give the impression that this sounds like aranasi pazuzu but in the way that aranasi pazuzu is shamanic and hypnotic i think woven hand can have that thing as well it's just the songs are you know four minutes rather than 12 um i'm really curious to know what you thought of this because i think it has i think it has many echoes of things that you have really responded to well in the past without being exactly that thing if that makes sense yeah um i should say by the way i said there were 10 tracks it's actually nine because there's a song called eight of nine which is the eighth track on a nine track album so uh, <laughs> I, it's not got 10 tracks on it. i don't know why i said that yeah. um yeah look the opener temple timber is really cool and the guitars sound like less like guitars and more like a chiming bell on top of a hill in a tower full of bats in a Tim Burton movie. <laughs> it's a really brilliantly atmospheric start to yeah. what I think is a a great record. And it's funny because we were talking last week, uh, we've spoken for a couple of weeks on the trot about Zetra, and I said yeah. to myself, if they get that that thing which hooks you in, like all of these goth bands... It's not just about creating the kind of atmospherics. You need to have some sort of hook that gets you in. And although I don't think this sounds like Zetra, I don't think this sounds like kind of Lost Boysy, and I don't think this sounds like, you no. know, there are, there's stuff that this is much more, um, I mean, we get like Chris, I, Chris Isaac or whatever. You it's know. more Western and, than, yeah. than, yeah. Bambara, we mentioned yeah. last year. There's bits yeah. of that in it as well. Yeah. And, but they need to have some sort of hook. And this has many a hook be it mm. vocally or on the guitars. There are hooks all over it, which I think is great. Acacia reminded me of Grave Pleasures, which I think this album Very does nice. quite a lot. 
um it's brilliantly macabre stuff that glory 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 over glory over glory b refrain towards the end is just really like you say shamanically yeah. catchy and like seductive um a bit of chris isaac on hawk omaha sounds like Bauhaus and talks about church and state i approve of all of those things yeah. um i think it starts really really well it kind of careers into view and it grabs your attention and then the second half of the the album slows things down to a much more darker menacing pace you mentioned kind of industrial stuff eight of nine the song i just mentioned mm. almost sounds like very very early industrial mixed with some sort of americana folk song mm. which is a really interesting mix of styles um yeah i that's pretty much all i've got to say about it i think it's really really good i think it's hooky i think it's really atmospheric i think it's broad in its dynamic range mm -hmm. which is always something which i think these things need to be and i think it's got that little sprinkle of its own unique personality that makes it really excellent i and it's short i really enjoy this record i think i i don't have anything negative to say about it yeah i, I mean yeah i i think it is a great record it's not my favorite woven hand record i would say i think that probably still goes to refractory obdurate but i also think that that is probably down to the fact that it was the first one i heard as well so i'm not strictly saying that that's a better record than this one um it is a bit different as well but <laughs> certainly woven hand is one of those acts artists because it's mainly one guy david eugene edwards i believe um it, it certainly has an identifiable sound and it does feel like you know i it's difficult to think back i mean woven hand started around the early 2000s and this sound has become far more in vogue and far more popular now but people weren't doing it back in the 2000s it did really feel very idiosyncratic and very much his thing um at the beginning uh, and I think a lot of other people have kind of caught up to what he's doing now. And I, I think he deserves like loads of plaudits for the fact that a lot of people are kind of doing this thing. It's so interesting. Definitely. I mean, that nine albums, pleasures. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hadn't even uh, made so that clearly... Grave Pleasures and Zetra connection. But you're absolutely right, actually, when you, when you think mm. about it. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Well, I was going to say nine albums. Yeah, like if you go back, even if he'd released one every other year, then that's obviously 18 years ago i, mean, I don't know when they started but i think his first album was 2001 not... i think yeah so uh, 2002 2002 so that is way 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 off the zeitgeist yeah. this kind of thing i don't know yeah. how similar it was or whatever but yeah like you know th this feels like a very cool thing to be doing now but if mm. you've been doing it since 2002 then you're some sort of i was about to say you're an og then which would uh, original goth but um <laughs> Uh, yeah, and obviously, obviously, you're not like I'm not saying you're bloody Robert Smith or something, but <laughs> you know, um, you're doing it at a time when there probably wouldn't be that much appetite for it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So it's very much a project like taken out of love of doing this, and I, I, I think Woven Hand is brilliant, and more people should know about him and and um, or the project probably is more accurate to say rather than him and um, <laughs> yeah if you if you like this the idea of that southern gothic gothic kind of folk slash gospel 
you know goth rock music then then woven hand is definitely there's nine whole albums that you can check out i'm i'm more familiar with the latter day stuff i will say than the earlier stuff although i'm slowly kind of making my way through all the records but i was really pleased to hear there was a new one coming out because you know like you said it's been been quite a while um yeah it's six years since the last record so i kind of assumed that woven hand was on hiatus because he was releasing a record every two years up oh, yeah. to that 2002 2004 2006 2008 2010 2012 2014 2016 i i like it a lot so there you go silver sash by woven hand is the last record that we are talking about i hope you've enjoyed the show it was a bit like what we used to do sort of three months ago probably do something a bit wacky and different next week just to mix it up and there will be new releases next week as well i don't know what's out off the top of my head but i mean it's been these last two weeks have been the most mental two weeks in a february that i can remember for fucking god knows how long there's a load of shit out so we'll probably try and catch up on all the other stuff that's come out recently because yeah. there's been a lot 2022 has really really got going now already mm. which is kind of mad but yeah yeah make sure you go over to patreon.com forward slash right at podcast and look at our patreon page so you can sign up for some of that exclusive content which will include the boxcar racer writers review coming out of the weekend very very swiftly followed by the every time i die new junk aesthetic part two of the classic album and then oh, oh after that we're doing we got muse aren't we bloody muse yes. it's happening look how happy renfrey is I'm ecstatic uh, to be talking about a man going oh <laughs> for 45 minutes over <laughs> a load of guitar wanking yeah, anyway <laughs> anyway Thanks very much for listening, everyone. We will see you soon. Cheery bye.